Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on April 8th, 2022 from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode features an in-depth look over the trans student-athlete ban bill that passed the House this week. In business, we hear from one of the state's top economists on how this year is going. And in medical, Scott Morgan brings us a report as part of the Disconnected series looking at South Carolinians in COVID. And you know it, we know it, a live taping alert, folks. We are going to be in Sumter at Sumter Original Brewery on April 28th at 6.30 p.m. for a live taping with two of your favorite friends from the pod. This is the first time in years we are back on the road. Come out and have a pint, participate in some fellowship, and snag some swag. It's a free event. It's free to see us. We're not charging people anything to see us <laughs> yet. Be lucky. So, but we are asking for you to register on our Eventbrite by easily just going to scetv.org slash sclead. The link is right there in front of you. It's going to be a great time, April 28th, 6.30 p.m. at Sumter Original Brewery. We can't wait to see you there, folks. Totally free. But now a somber programming note. <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you this, but we will only be releasing one pod next week. I will be indisposed on assignment in Florida, uh, vacation more or less, but we apologize for the inconvenience, but again, there will be one pod next week. But like I said, we'll be on spring break. Maybe you will be too. Let us know where you're at. That's a, that's a, I'm allowed to get away with ending a sentence with a preposition right here because we're in the South. But you can leave us a one, two, three minute long voicemail at 803-563-7169. Tell us what you're doing, where you're calling from, who you are, and what's going on in your world. We love hearing from our leaders. And uh, I know we'll have some great voicemails coming, but the Hopper is always looking for new talent. And just like our live taping, calling in is free. 803-563-7169. Now for latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is low, according to county-level data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. From March 27th through April 2nd, there have been 951 cases and two deaths. Both metrics are down from the week prior. Our percent positive is 2.3%. There are 132 South Carolinians hospitalized with COVID-19, 25 are in intensive care, and 10 are on ventilators. 54.2% of eligible South Carolinians are fully vaccinated. All of this data is current as of April 2nd. The big debate this week was in the House over the trans student-athlete ban bill. This bill would prohibit specifically trans women from playing on women's sports teams from middle school through college, since the team doesn't correspond to the sex they were assigned at birth. Democrats filed some 950 amendments against the bill in hopes of stalling its passage or maybe even just trying to improve it a little bit. Cloture was invoked on the bill, which limited debate on the amendments and the bill. Now, out of all those amendments, only 58 were actually debated on the floor over the more than eight-hour-long session, which even included an hour-long break when a tornado warning forced lawmakers to shelter in the statehouse basement. 
The bill's author, Greenville Republican Representative Ashley Trantham, was one of the few Republicans who spoke on the bill. House Bill 4608 has become more urgent than ever, especially for collegiate athletes, after the NCAA recent actions. Rather than standing for female athletes by adopting a policy that ensures fairness, the NCAA punted to a patchwork of national and international organizations, some of which allow male-bodied athletes to compete on women's team with no preconditions and others of which have no policy at all. It is urgent for this body to set a clear, fair, and scientifically-based policy to guide schools, colleges throughout the state, and to guarantee equal opportunity for our daughters and granddaughters to participate and win. Early in the debate, Orangeburg Democratic Representative Gilda Cobb-Hunter asked how members could espouse the merits of Christianity like they do sometimes when they supported a discriminatory bill. Now you'll all roll out and have your press conference, thump your chest and talk about how great you are because you've discriminated against four children who happen to be transgender. I wonder sometimes, Mr. Speaker, what kind of God some of us are serving. We talk, oh, it's right, that's my reaction. We talk about God and Christian and all of this. Maybe they taught you a different God here in South Carolina. The God that I grew up knowing in South Florida is a God of love. God of love. Y'all are mad all the time. If you're, why are you so angry? Why are you so spiteful toward people who are different? Aiken Republican Representative Melissa Remus took umbrage with Cobb Hunter's characterization of Christian teachings and God. Well, since we brought God into this, um, let's go there. God created a woman and a man. And the last time I checked, God does not make mistakes. I'm not saying that I am against anybody that identifies as a man or a woman. What I'm saying to you is, God doesn't make mistakes. I'm saying just stay in your lane. If you're a man, you are biologically stronger than me. You're, no matter if you have hormone blockers or not, your vascular strength, your heart is larger, and that's always going to be the case. Hopkins Democratic Representative Jermaine Johnson, a former college athlete, brought up intersex individuals in this debate about God and so-called mistakes. And I serve an awesome God. Can I get an amen? Amen. I serve an awesome God, and I think we all in here serve an awesome God. All right, now, I heard that God does not make no mistakes, and I agree with that. God don't make not a single mistake. But what y'all have these cell phones here, and y'all got these computers out here, y'all can look up the definition of intersex. Somebody tell me what the definition of intersex is. That's an individual born with both, female and male parts. Now you tell me if that is a mistake or not. I believe my God does not make mistakes. So if an individual can be born with both parts, why can an individual not be born in the wrong body? Eight Democrats joined Republicans in supporting the bill in the key 82 to 28 vote on Tuesday. But only one, King Street Democratic Representative Caesar McKnight, spoke in favor of it on the floor. I've heard and I share the concerns of how transgender children may deal with this. But I have to ask the question, how are our little girls going to deal with this? 
what am I going to tell Claire when she goes out to compete and she may have to run against a boy and she loses? How do I console my child? Do you want me to lie to her and tell her that it's okay, honey? If you work a little harder, you'll eventually win? No. So just like those transgender children have feelings, concerns that need to be thought about, our little girls do too. And I can be against something and not hate the people that are on the other side of that issue. As for the bill itself, well, House Democratic leader Todd Rutherford called it a lawyer's dream due to the ease in which a person can be sued based on its vague language, such as using the sex noted on a student's birth certificate at or near the time of their birth. Near isn't defined in the bill and could be interpreted as meaning even up to 10 years if you wanted to. That was just one issue Rutherford had. This bill says that a student who is deprived of an athletic opportunity. I didn't hear anybody, and I listened to Ms. Trantham speak, talk about the definition of an athletic opportunity. And remember, this bill did not go through judiciary. So it did not define athletic opportunity. But those of you that are following her down this path, be mindful. Athletic opportunity. So a student who is deprived of an athletic opportunity or suffers any direct or indirect harm, meaning somebody else was bothered by it and the student was bothered by the fact that they were bothered by it, and we now give them a cause of action to sue a public institution. After a perfunctory third reading vote on Wednesday, it was sent to the Senate, which has its own version of the bill on its calendar. This, of course, came a day before the all-important crossover day deadline, which is when a bill needs to make it to the other chamber in order to have any shot at making it to the governor's desk by sine die, which is the last day of session on May 12th. The House also approved bills that would create requirements for pregnant female inmates to get access to prenatal and postpartum medical care. The House 3M committee amended and approved Senator Tom Davis's medical marijuana bill nearly two months after it was sent to the House. That bill will be on the very slim house calendar when members return on April 19th, so expect debate on that shortly thereafter. The House also invoked cloture on H-5183, that's the Education Committee's critical race theory bill. Despite this action to invoke cloture, this bill is not set to be the vehicle for moving the issue forward. We'll be watching for where it does pop up, possibly in the Senate? Speaking of the Senate, Republicans passed a House bill, H-3126, that will prohibit public employers from imposing a COVID-19 vaccine mandate on their employees and students. The bill also says that if a private employer terminates, suspends, or otherwise reduces the compensation of an employee because the employee does not receive a COVID-19 vaccination or booster, that employee is eligible for unemployment benefits. Now, this bill has been watered down from its original form in the House, where it banned private companies from imposing COVID-19 vaccine mandates outright. A later version imposed drastic fines on employers, that provision was also removed. And of course, the University of South Carolina women's basketball team was in the Statehouse on Wednesday. Political and alma mater differences were put aside as Coach Dawn Staley and her team were honored in both the House and Senate. And soon, you'll be able to get commemorative license plates, folks. And on the way out, Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson was confirmed to the U.S. Supreme Court this week to replace outgoing Justice Stephen Breyer. 
Jackson becomes the first African-American woman confirmed to the high court in its 233-year history. The Senate voted 53 to 47, with South Carolina Republican Senators Lindsey Graham and Tim Scott voting against Jackson's confirmation. She will remain on the U.S. Court of Appeals in D.C. until she is sworn in after Justice Breyer retires this summer. Let's start off business with a segment on the economy by one of the state's top economists, Dr. Joy Von Nessen, at the Darlamore School of Business at the University of South Carolina. Von Nessen recently spoke with South Carolina Business Review host Mike Switzer about his outlook for the remainder of 2022. Take a listen. So uh, give us the picture here now of our state's economy with the first quarter in the books. And I know there's a lag time before you get all of the statistics, but you must have a pretty good feel for the first quarter. Well, right now we're seeing a couple of things or a couple of important points to make. The first is that South Carolina's economy is generally in very good shape right now. We see that in most economic metrics that we look at from the labor market, which is very strong right now, unemployment back down to comparable levels of where we were before the pandemic began. Consumer spending is strong. If we look at disposable income and measures of of income for households, that remains very good right now. And most sectors are, are doing well. So whether we're looking at manufacturing or construction or professional services and tourism and leisure and hospitality as well, all of those sectors are doing well. So South Carolina's economy is in good shape. However, the summer months and the second half of 2022 right now, very much up in the air in terms of the uncertainty that we're seeing because of everything that's going on in Russia and Ukraine right now and the persistent high inflation and how the Fed is going to have to be more proactive to pull inflation down this year by raising interest rates. And speaking of the higher interest rate situation, we are starting to see signs that that's affecting the home building market. Yes. When the Federal Reserve raises the federal funds rate, that has an impact on mortgage interest rates, which are going up. They're around 4% now. And we're seeing that have an impact on sales activity overall. But it is a, a fairly minimal effect overall. Do you feel like we could be entering a new time period, a longer time period of rising rates that, uh, you know, we've been in such a low interest rate environment for so long with all of the economic stimulus from the Federal Reserve, starting with the Great Recession, then the pandemic. They've got to unwind this at some point completely, right? Yes, I think that's likely that we're going to see rate hikes for the foreseeable future. The Fed has already indicated that we may see as many as seven rate increases in in the coming months. So they are looking to steadily raise interest rates to help taper some of the excessive demand that we're seeing in the U.S. economy right now to help pull inflation back down. Inflation is at a 40-year high, and so they are going to have to be more aggressive to pull it back down to more reasonable levels, which we would hope would be in the, at least for this year, closer to maybe in the five, 6% range, maybe a a bit lower. But this is going to take a a long period of time. We're not talking about days and weeks. We're talking about a a month's long process here. And one of the big factors in inflation is the price of oil, which at the moment has a huge spike. It's leveled off, pulled back. We're still looking at that as the main driver for inflation as that digs into so many facets of the economy 
we could be in this high inflation situation for quite a while, couldn't we? Yes, I think it is not realistic to expect that we'll see 2% inflation again, which is the Fed's target, anytime soon, certainly not in 2022. It is likely that inflation will begin to taper as we head into the second half of 2022. But yes, if we look ahead, this relatively higher rate of inflation is is with us for this foreseeable future. That is the result of this high demand we've been seeing as we've recovered from the pandemic. But one other factor that I think is really important to keep in mind when looking at these different factors driving inflation is that when the Fed raises interest rates, they're looking to bring down total demand in the economy. But what they're not doing by raising rates is impacting the supply chain constraints that we're seeing right now going on in with respect to oil and, and food and, and wheat and grains associated with the, the Russia and uh, Ukraine situation, and of course, all the other supply chain bottlenecks that we're currently seeing. So while raising rates does have an impact on the demand side, it does nothing to combat the supply chain constraints that we're seeing. So you've got two simultaneous factors that are driving inflation, and the Fed, unfortunately, is really only able to address one of those factors. Okay, so some optimism there. But meanwhile, Deutsche Bank said this week that the Federal Reserve's moves to contain inflation will spark a recession that it says will begin in late 2023. Hmm. We no longer see the Fed achieving a soft landing. Instead, we anticipate that a more aggressive tightening of monetary policy will push the economy into a recession. This from Deutsche Bank economists led by Matthew Lazzetti, who wrote in the report. The German multinational investment bank is the first major bank to make such a recession call. And in some other inflation-related news, the average price for a gallon of gas in South Carolina continues to fall, as it does nationwide. In the Palmetto State, a gallon is going for $3.79, according to AAA Carolinas. That's down a dime from a week ago, folks, and 18 cents from a month ago. Still, year over year, it's up $1.21. I will let you know how much money I spend driving to Florida with my Volkswagen Passat. Let's start off medical with some research. CNN reports that a fourth dose of the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine seems to offer short-lived protection against infection overall, but protection against severe illness did not wane for at least several weeks, according to a new study. The study, published Tuesday in the New England Journal of Medicine, looked at the health records of more than 1.25 million vaccinated people in Israel who are 60 or older from January through March 2022. It's a time when the Omicron variant was the most dominant strain. The rate of severe COVID-19 infection in the fourth week after a fourth dose of vaccine was lower than in people who got only three doses by a factor of 3.5. But protection against confirmed infection appeared short-lived, whereas protection against severe illness did not wane during the study period. This according to researchers in the report. Currently, those who are immunocompromised or over the age of 50 can get a fourth dose of the Moderna or Pfizer vaccine. And like I promised up top, we have a report for you by Scott Morgan as part of the Disconnected series, which is an occasional series from South Carolina Public Radio that looks at how South Carolinians are coping with loneliness and connection after two years in the COVID pandemic. All right, let's see. Air of mystery, selective honesty... Oh, here we go. Number 13 on Robert Greene's 48 Laws of Power. 
When asking for help, appeal to people's self-interest, never to their mercy or gratitude. Step one seems to be coming across as human so people will listen to you. Maybe we can't do that. And our only, our last, our best hope is to find ways of appealing to people's self-interest. Okay, before we go on, know that Brad Morris isn't quite the cynical defeatist a line like that might make him seem to be. It's just that for him, the COVID pandemic isn't over. Plus, he's just not the type to mince words. Matter of fact, a year and a half ago for a story on voters with disabilities, he said this. Because of my disabilities, I sometimes have trouble breathing. And so if I were to get COVID-19, I expect to die. See? So two years into a pandemic a lot of people pretend is over, Morris has left behind his efforts to try to convince people to do the right and responsible thing for the good of the community. And to him, it can feel a bit like the community has left him and other people with disabilities behind as acceptable, justifiable losses. Toward the beginning of the pandemic, people would say, oh, we really care about elderly people, grandma and grandpa, and we care about the poor disabled people like me, a power wheelchair user. And so they were willing to do things when it seemed like it was only going to be a a quick inconvenience. And over the long inconvenience, Morris has watched laws and mandates attempting to rein in the virus backfire. He's seen efforts at civil discussions turn into me versus us arguments. And he's watched the we're all in this together rah-rah fade into people getting back to their lives. The trouble is when you start to do that, your actions are no longer in line with your values if what the information says is that people are still dying and there are still plenty of vulnerable people out there. And there are more than there used to be. In February, the Center for American Progress reported that COVID-19 created 1.2 million more people with disabilities in the United States, an under-talked-about after-effect that Scarlett Novak wishes more people would think about. You can become disabled because of COVID. People think, oh, you know, you'll survive it. But a lot of people get long-term post-viral illnesses. Novak is also a power wheelchair user and is on immune-suppressing medications for their arthritis, which makes them susceptible to the slightest infections, like a recent something picked up in mere seconds at the doctor's office. The doctor, he took his mask off, like after telling me to take my mask off. And then I ended up getting the flu. So I very just as easily could have gotten coronavirus. And for people with disabilities, this future, in which masks are not coming off anytime soon and where additional boosters might be a few times a year thing, social interaction is strained. Even, says Brad Morris's wife, Veronica, where friends who play it safe are concerned. We have a friend who is being very careful, but their family member is not being careful. And their family member got exposed and gave it to our friend. Morris likens it to sexually transmitted infections, as in you effectively get in bed with everyone your partner has been with. Your network can get big quite quickly, and it probably includes many disabled people. Which might be the most lingering effect on COVID-vulnerable people who've so far succeeded in ducking the virus. That nagging sense that the world has put people with disabilities aside without having realized how many are out there. You can find that story by Scott, original reporting from South Carolina Public Radio reporters, and daily state and national news on SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. Hey, you can also find the lead there if you don't believe in subscribing through wherever you find podcasts.
Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. We're talking about life during the pandemic. And of course, we want to hear your stories as well. That's why we have a voicemail box set up toll free. 803-563-7169. Oh, it's number. called the Hopper around Hopper. here. Hopper. <clears throat> you know it. We know it. We love it. We'd love to hear from you guys. That's why we set it up. So drop us a message. I'm told that we have one. This is very exciting. Yes. We have one. We have one. Okay. I don't know if, they, if it fell in there by accident or what. We'll Can that have happen? To find out. Yeah, is it a glitch? It's dangerous. <laughs> uh, hi, I was calling for Martha, but since I'm already leaving a message, <laughs> I'll talk to the, these guys. That's exactly right. That's how most of them start. I chop that off, and then I just play the part that they left for us. But anyway, we do have one. It's our last one here. So if you're hearing this, please, <laughs> please, please call it. Uh, we really need it. We're very sad. Bring uh, us your hot takes. Bring us your, your thoughts on the... Ridiculousness that we discuss in the wind down. Oh yes, uh, of course. Couch news. Great. Oh, tell us your couch news. What <laughs> kind of upholstery you guys work with? News. You know, like I, I really want to know. Fabric. Uh, so we got this call. I think that this is a great call. Mm-hmm. All right. I've read the transcript. I okay. haven't heard it yet. I've mm-hmm. only read the transcripts, mm-hmm. and it looks great on paper. So if you're ready, Gavin, if I have your permission, <laughs> if I have your permission, I'll go ahead and I'll play it. Confirm. Okay. <laughs> Hey, this is Amanda from Greenville. Sorry, I cannot help you learn how to pronounce the name of a small town while I grew up in the very, very tiny, unincorporated community of Early Branch, South Carolina. I've been in Greenville for yeah, 12 years now and um, kind of miss living in a small town, but it's also really nice to be able to pop out to a grocery store five minutes away instead of um, driving 30 or more minutes. Uh, to the local Walmart only for things to be out of stock. So, you know, pros and cons. Mainly what I'm calling about, um, since you need voicemails, is to share this very Southern rant, which is I don't get scones. It took me a long time to figure out the difference between scones and biscuits growing up. If we made scones, because my sisters and I really liked, you know, British TV, we would make ourselves some hot tea and we would cut the scones into triangles. Apparently, that is an American way of doing it. But in the UK, they cut them into circles. I've learned this from the Great British Baking Show. That's cool. But what makes it different from biscuits? Apparently, the difference is egg. But really, why do we need these? We already have perfectly good biscuits. I understand why the British have scones because, like, when they say biscuit, really, they mean, like, a cookie or, like, a cracker. But, I mean, y'all, we have fluffy, wonderful southern biscuits. It, it, don't be pretentious and order a scone. Just get yourself a fluffy biscuit, butterman's biscuit. You can put jam on it. You can put butter on it. You can put gravy on it. It's perfect as it is. We do not need British scones. We took it. We improved it or something. I don't know which came first, honestly. But I'm just going to say, biscuits are awesome. Thanks. Have a nice day. Amanda from hashtag Yeah That Greenville. That's what we're talking about right there. That's a pronunciation right there. Mm-hmm. Hashtag Yeah That Greenville. Love a Southern rant. Ugh. Oh, that was so. That's what we needed. This is this is exactly the type of call that I'm looking oh, for. Yes. Someone to call in, <laughs> yes. rant about something we have not talked about even once. Oh, no, yes. Give us something to to, to chew to, on. Yeah, to to put our own two cents in on yes. this. Amanda, I love this call. Thank <laughs> you so much. Yeah, we've had much. conversations. Uh, you know, fluffy biscuits. Yes, yes, yes. Love yes. that. 
uh, pretentiousness and scones. I noticed that she uh, made I an like equation that. there, yeah. which I have umbrage with. <laughs> Second <laughs> time saying the word umbrage in a pod. Twice in the pod. Um, so <laughs> we were just listening to that. And like, Amanda just wants to throw those scones in the damn harbor. Yes. Throw them in there with the tea, with baby. With the tea. Get it in there. Amanda, I love this. Uh, uh, I, yeah. I, I, I truly do love this, but it does, I, I think. I love biscuits, okay? Hear me out. And I'm not ever going to talk bad on biscuits here. Not on this podcast. Not on this podcast. Not on this podcast, No, zero biscuit slander in this podcast. No BS, biscuit slander. That's what BS stands for. (laughs) Uh, But I will say that Southerners, they've mastered biscuits, right? Yes. And then they're like, any other kind of bread, they're like, don't need it. Cornbread. I told you this. Oh, yeah. Cornbread's cornbread, acceptable. Cornbread, too. That's it. Cornbread. Those are the two breads. But the then South. besides that, like, if you, I, I don't know if, if Southerners understand what, like, a good rye loaf is. You know what I mean? That's, like, that's not. I, I'm tough. Like, I need some bagels. I need some good loaves at the grocery mm-hmm. store. I need something uh, just a little bit beyond biscuit for, yeah. like, toast. But sure. besides that, yes, I do love biscuit. I do love a scone. Yeah. So I'm gonna go ahead and say that. I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest with that. You know, we're talking sweet, we're Speak talking your versus truth, savory king. here. Speak your king. You know, Speak I just truth, you know, I see you pop into Starbucks every now and then you want some sort of dense pastry, I guess I can use that word here. And, you know, I don't want a bagel, but I'm like, oh, I want a little something, a little sweet, a little berry involved in there. Yeah. You know, or, you know, my mom would occasionally make oh, orange cranberry scones. I love it because you get the, you know, that big sugar on top. So sometimes if you're in the mood for something sweet, that's when I say, scone me, baby. Sure. Usually it's just the biscuit situation. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it's it's just, it's what's available. I'll say yes, I'll say no. I'm, I'm easy like that. <laughs> You're easy like that. But, but biscuits, I mean, my God. I, can, I mean, I want to go to Bojangles every time I pass them. And never I say, had Bojangles. <sighs> anyway, Gavin. Speaking, talking about biscuits, never had Bojangles. Speaking of you being uh, easygoing, <laughs> I, this made me think of a food take that I had that, that got you pretty... Through the roof, angry, <laughs> boiling. I've, I boiling. haven't seen you that upset in a while, but so <laughs> I will explain it to the people. Where there was this, there was a tweet out, right? That we're coming for each other's hottest food takes on Twitter, right? Oh god, yeah. People. And so I saw one that said, "All soup is bad." And while I'm not gonna say all soup is bad, That's so blanket. I I started out and I amended my argument. I said, "All soup." Is just sauce without noodles, oh my and God. you brought up broth, <laughs> which I said ramen, and so I amended my argument to say that all soup is improved by noodles. Uh, I, I mean, sh- sure, I guess it is, but <laughs> you were making the argument that all soup is basically sauce, I, to I, which I, I took umbrage <laughs> for the third time with. <laughs> And I said, no, sir, you can make a sauce out of soup by reducing it. But, I mean, just you're telling me this broth I'm drinking is just sauce? I, I, th- I kind of think it is, though. Oh, my God. I kind of do think that you it is. You see what I deal with people I every ca- day? I feel like it, you like someone made a sauce and was like, you know what? That's it. I'm just eating this in a bowl. <laughs> you know? Especially like a, a creamy tomato bisque or something. Like that is a sauce. A sauce comes in a bottle that you <laughs> no. just, yes, I'm going to get traditional with it. Mm-hmm. Like your whole debate about hot dogs and sandwiches. They are. You just keep they debasing are. the food world. And I am, I, I, I'm not going to sit by and watch my world disappear. Okay. 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 I'm making a stand here. <laughs> I do think, though. <laughs> Next like, thing you know, the legislature is going to get involved in this. I would love for them to be. 
Split pea soup does not belong on fettuccine. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Split pea sauce, as you should say. If it if you if it comes if, in a can, it's soup. If it comes in a bottle, it's sauce. I don't want to hear any more. That's it, the vessel <laughs> is what makes it for Gavin. Okay, so if it's in a cylindrical vessel, that's a soup. If it's in a bottle, what if there was bottled? You see how uh, hard it is to legislate. <laughs> what if there was a bottle of like a uh, turmeric? <laughs> carrot soup. You mean sauce? Yeah, is it sauce then? <laughs> no. Sauce is a small amount of a liquid product. <laughs> I don't think so. I think it is a it is a liquid thing but that you to pour call over all something. But soup sauces is ludicrous. Uh, but that's not what I'm saying. That's anymore. what you were. You should see the tweets people. It's what I did start with and I've amended it to just add some pasta and it's better. Look at Sure. Look at look at uh, Italian wedding soup. Let's look okay. at let's look at uh, pasta fagiole. Okay. But I like to also just drink broth straight. Yeah, I mean I we we covered that. that. Fine. We yeah. we uh, we recorded these episodes out of order. But next next wind down, you're gonna hear Gavin's <laughs> whole workout regimen. And it does involve bone yes, broth. Yes. Look forward to our one episode next week. <laughs> the wind down is worth it. It's also an extended conversation. Uh, episode special edition for you guys because we didn't want to leave you empty-handed and also I'd like to know too that I'm not just the only one taking vacation next week the house is also in furlough next week so I time this excuses to you know take a break with other lawmakers it's also been so long for you since you've taken a vacation (laughs) so I won't keep you any longer Gavin okay (laughs) I hope you have a good weekend and a good break okay bud yeah we'll be coming to you live from Florida (laughs) fun (laughs) America's playground Again, thanks for listening to the pod, folks. Show us your appreciation like Amanda did by leaving us a voicemail with a controversial topic at 803-563-7169. You can also leave us a review on iTunes and stay up to date with the latest news on scetv.org and southcarolinapublicradio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. Mmm. No, this is a good one. Oh my god. Chocolate caramel. Caramel. That was like really soft. Oh, that was good. <laughs> now my for now for my third one. Maybe I should wait till after I finish. No. <laughs>